The Diablo 4 reviews are in, and do they prove me wrong? Just yesterday, I did a stream talking about, listen, I feel like something is off in this game. I walked through the inconsistent messaging, what I still continue to feel is the split identity of the game, but I did say I thought the reviews would trend in the positive direction. I felt like the campaign and the base game itself would receive high marks. I don't really have any doubts that I myself will likely enjoy the base game of Diablo as well as the campaign. My primary concern has been the ongoing nature of the game, the seasonal format, what it feels like once that sort of takes place, you know, pulling between the two worlds, as it were. One review in particular, I think, really convinced me of where I'm going to spend most of my time in this game, which is very different than what I originally thought I would be doing. There's also things missing from the reviews, and one outlet and one YouTuber in particular are not posting their reviews yet because of that. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video so you don't have to go looking for it. It's a longer video because it's a live stream, but I do put my opening monologue, and then I discuss that with the live audience. So make sure you hit subscribe, the bell button, and check out all the ways to support me below the video. So the Diablo 4 reviews are piling up, and they are practically unanimous. The game is getting universal praise, with some claiming that this is the best Diablo game to date or maybe even some saying the best Blizzard game to date. Now I want to break down everything into two major categories and then I want to ask the question was I wrong about this game? I've expressed concerns about it for quite some time as a game that I'm very much looking forward to but I've continued to feel like something is off in the messaging something's off in the identity and just concerns about the ongoing nature of the game as well as support from the devs. I'm on record as to not really having any concerns about the base game and the story. Much of what is going to comprise the reviews is just that. People are really enjoying the base game. They're enjoying the story. And even the end game loop sounds quite promising. But remember, that's disconnected from the seasonal grind, which will start one month after the game is out. I anticipate getting a lot of hours just from a co-op playthrough of the main game with my wife. And the reviews don't really speak to or address some of my main concerns because they can't, right? That part of the game's not out yet. They, they can't speak to the seasonal grind. They can't speak to how it feels because that's going to be a month after the game launches. If anything, the praise and the quality of the base game increases some of my questions, skepticism, and worry. So first, I want to very quickly look at what we still don't know. There were aspects that were not included in these reviews, and I think in part there's one particular outlet that just didn't even do a review because of this. Second, I want to know what do we know? I want to look at what do we know right now, the campaign, the gameplay the end game they're all discussed and outlined in the reviews and lastly i want to ask was i wrong you know I, I do think expectations matter i think it's tough to do a review of a game that will look very different two months after launch so i will say on the outset i'm encouraged that the foundation of the game is receiving so much praise the, the, the betas and the class balance problems had me worried and if you can nail the base game you can probably make good changes and evolve and iterate on top of that that was one of the primary problems with Diablo 3 is that the base game was just in such bad shape the auction house and nothing really ongoing to do after one playthrough unless you just want to keep increasing difficulty so first what do we still not know like what is there still sort of unknown about this game well first things first 
The cash shop was not in any of the reviews. Eurogamer highlighted this, and so I sought some confirmation and some clarification from Force Gaming. In an article entitled, Where is our Diablo 4 Review? Eurogamer outlined a variety of reasons as to why they will not be posting a review, and this is what they had to say. Generally, when we hold off on publishing a review, it's because either some key features aren't available for us to check out, because it's a game with a significant online component, that hasn't properly been stress tested yet or because there's been some funny business or other awkwardness with getting access to a review code in time to hit the deadline now I'll readily admit that a lack of stress testing alone I don't think that's a good enough reason to not review a game as far as we can tell Blizzard did a very good job stress testing they focused on it there was two betas there was the extra server slam so I don't think stress testing is something that we should really be concerned about I also don't think when you get early review copies of a game like this being like well the servers haven't been stress tested I don't necessarily think that's a cause to not do a review, but they said that it's basically a mixture of all three things. They said, quote, In Diablo 4's case, it's a mix of all three. The in-game shop wasn't live during the period of early access that we had with the game, and while some official assets have been provided and some promises publicly made by Blizzard about monetization in Diablo 4, including a cosmetics-only focus and the inclusion of a more palatable battle pass system, this feels like something we had to see in action as part of our review. Diablo three players will remember the hoo-ha about the auction house when it launched while blizzard's mobile take on the series diablo immortal has at times been a major scrutiny for its monetization this is one we'd like to check out with the live servers first so the big part of this is it that the shop is just not live in the game i did want clarity i i tweeted at force gaming i said hey can we get some clarity it turns out that in his video if you click on the chapter for monetization he gives a little preface statement beforehand and says oh yeah that it wasn't live in the game they just sent us some b-roll and some footage and he reconfirms that here in the tweet it's it's in his video you know he could have been like just watch the video i went to the timestamp, and whoever timestamped his video just kind of missed that window he does say that that they only got b-roll and screens to use because if you watch his video it looks like he's poking around in the store that is just b-roll those are just screens he acknowledges that right before that section of the video Now, I will say this, as much as I've been concerned about Diablo 4 and its ongoing format, the store and selling power, that's never been a concern. Uh, I've actually contended and kind of gone to bat for the developers. They've spoken far too often about power and not being able to buy power. They've stressed this time and time again. I don't think this is the same as when the Diablo Immortal dev said, oh yeah, you won't be able to buy gear, and then you could buy crests, which increase gear drop. So it was around roundabout way of buying gear but you weren't directly buying gear that we we all agree that was a little misleading and a little underhanded but that's not what they've done with Diablo 4 interviews blogs live streams they've just continued to stress you can't buy power even if you skip tiers on the battle pass, you cannot get smoldering ash faster. Smoldering ash is a type of currency used to purchase season blessings. That'll accelerate your progress, and it can only be granted through actual progression. So, even if you decide to spend money to speed up your battle pass experience, you can't get anything that has any semblance of power. If they're going to be that persnickety, if they're going to be that specific and rigid, I don't have concerns about that, okay? But it's worth noting that the shop wasn't live in any of the reviews 
they could pull some sleight of hand. There's people worried that, oh yeah, once we get into the seasons, they're going to start slamming it with monetization that they said they wouldn't do. That's always a concern. If my concerns are correct and casual and more mid-lane players abandon Diablo 4 because of the seasonal format, they very much could go the route of scummy monetization because their more committed players and their whales will support the game as the casuals in the mid-lane sort of head to the horizon. The second thing we still don't know is how is the seasonal experience? You know, on that subject, we just have no idea. And listen, that's not really a problem with the review. I don't think it's fair to expect that from reviews. I don't think it's fair to expect the game developer to give you access to seasonal format content that's probably not even ready for public consumption yet. I I don't think that that means these reviews are not trustworthy or that they can't tell us something, okay? Similar, though, this is I think this is a little bit concerning. Similar to how Halo Infinite received praise for its campaign and the Metacritic is all we see now, but then the ongoing aspects of it in the multiplayer were where the game fell apart. I don't necessarily think it's going to be that extreme with Diablo 4, but we just have to remember these review scores and the Metacritic score are not about the ongoing nature of Diablo. They're not about the true Diablo 4. They're merely talking about the base game. And it is encouraging that all the scores are so high. I want to look a little deeper, though, third. Before we move on, I've got good things from Riker. I've got good things from Force Gaming. They both really reinforce some of my concerns. I thought Riker was very honest and very fair, and he's a huge Diablo fan. I would encourage everybody who thinks I'm off my rocker, go watch Riker. He is saying so many things that agree with some of my observations and concerns from pre and post beta just about progression and I'll get to that in a moment you can you can listen to my little summary here if you'd like but I like to promote and support the people who I you know glean from when they get that early access so Eurogamer basically said there was some weirdness with the review code quote Finally, there was some weirdness with the review code, as you might have already seen in discussions on social media. Reviewers had their progress wiped on May 25th, and the entirety of our access was removed. Now, this is not that weird or crazy, but we're seeing people claim that they were playing this for two weeks or that they put in a thousand hours. That just simply isn't possible. This particular version of the game. Now, if somebody played the closed betas that the public couldn't see, and there was like two of those, I think. There was early game, late game, and then maybe there was another one as well. But then there was the public ones. Then there was the server slam. Then there's early access. If somebody actually managed to clock a thousand hours, you know, that's great. But According to everything we heard, the review codes went out on the 19th. That means that this was six days. Like, if that's true, if they got the codes on the 19th, everything halted and stopped on the 25th, that's six days. They basically gave them one week. That's not a ton of time to really analyze end game balance, end game content loop. How does it scale? How does it feel? Uh, even Force Gaming had to kind of rush just to get through the campaign. He said he kind of beelined. So I think that needs to be considered. Eurogamer goes on to say, it's a fairly unprecedented move for review code. And while we can partially understand the reasoning, they cited the race and some other things. Our progress was white before we could see enough of the game to give it a fair shake. And we aren't going to judge on what we feel is necessary for a review just because a studio made it harder to achieve. So keep that in mind as we dive into these reviews. They had a small window and everything was wiped and they were kind of, you know, kicked out of the game. And that's fine. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of that, but just keep that in your mind when you're reading or listening to these reviews. So what do we know? 
I'm going to lean heavily on Riker here, okay? Because Riker's a huge fan. And I think when you have a really, really big fan being honest about things and showing there's some things that just might not vibe or jive with you, that's really valuable. There are nines out of tens, tens out of tens. We're hearing the dialogue described as being Oscar worthy. I mean, I think there's a lot of hyperbole out there. And I think some of that's because when you're in a drought, when you're starved and hungry for a new game, and this one scratches a lot of great itches, I think the content loop just looks really, really satisfying to a certain degree. I have some issues and concerns about the content loop both early and late game, but when something feels this good, you know, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I finally have a good game to play, but I felt Riker was a lot more measured and fair, okay? Nobody really had anything bad to say about the campaign. That's kind of what I expected. It is a Blizzard game after all. Force Gaming said he moved pretty quickly through the game due to the limited time. It took him 11 hours to beat the campaign, and he was level 43 at the conclusion. Now, again, he beelined. He was going sort of straight through to get through that, right? He did say if you took your time, if you explored, if you did a lot of the side content, that the campaign could easily take significantly longer. Since it's up to the player... He said, you know, you could spend 100 hours if you wanted to just slowly work through the campaign. Now, I'm going to kind of glide over the campaign because it sounds good. We kind of expected that. They're not giving lots of detail because of embargo and they're not wanting to spoil. That's not really the meat of the game. I anticipate doing one playthrough of the campaign and enjoying it, uh, especially that, you know, couch co-op with my wife so let's talk about gameplay and this is where I'm really glad that someone like Riker is agreeing with things that I've said in the past now he does say combat feels good it's fluid it's a great evolution of Diablo 3 that's IGN's uh, footage we've been using there they gave it a 9 he does say you know it feels good it's fluid it's good evolution of Diablo okay this is in line with my experience in the beta the moment to moment combat feels great you know now that's class dependent of course I'm going to get on that in a moment there's more on that in just a moment even the sound design I think aided the combat in making it feel really really good however he does say that the pace of the combat is slower than other ARPGs he said now this is either good or bad depending on your preferences quote more tactical combat needs a slower pace so he does highlight the fact that the combat's slower it is more tactical and I actually experienced a degree of this in a one-on-one fight with the boss in the beta I was by myself I was sort of you know enjoying the mechanics learning what the you know the boss was going to do studying him responding to those attacks and then obviously I was having to navigate those health bar potions that they drop like every little triangle both force and Riker reinforced my excitement about boss fights and combat They were sort of highlighting some of these things, but Force Gaming felt that the boss fights were very easy. He also felt that a lot of the bosses were just, they felt like variations of bosses that he fought in Diablo 3. And he was saying that was one of his biggest critiques of the game is they just didn't take enough risks that it it sort of felt very safe. That was sort of in Force Gaming's conclusion. But Riker said hack and slash fans or fans of faster paced RPGs will likely find this game's combat unappealing. And this is combined with other things that Riker has said that have me very concerned about my own enjoyment of the game. He said he did feel that the, he had to sort of open up the map a lot. He wasn't sure if it was because the camera was too zoomed in or maybe there's just not enough information on the mini map up in the corner. And on the subject of 
of class balance. He didn't really make me feel any better as somebody who's been anticipating the Druid returning to the game and playing the Druid. I loved him so much in Diablo 2. He did say that the balance pass after the last beta helped quite a bit. He says Sorcerer, Rogue, and Necro, they all still feel great. They sound great. He said Barbarians felt a lot better, but the Druid is still his least favorite. And he did say early games, it's just you just feel weak. You don't feel nearly as strong as the other classes. And listen, I know it's only one class, but the whole idea of like, oh, it's very strong in the end game, that's not a good defense, okay? If the early game of one class in particular is standing out as being particularly weak, I would say that is a development failure. All of the classes should feel good throughout the entire game. You shouldn't have to be like, well, get to level 25 or run this build or do this particular thing if four out of the five classes feel good out of the box then so should the druid okay i'll never be compelled by the argumentation that oh that's fine the class gets better in the end game this is blizzard this is diablo you're the granddaddy of arpgs you're the granddaddy of class-based dungeon crawlers you should be able to nail this from moment one i don't accept any excuses Riker acknowledges that the druid is very strong in the end game. He doesn't hand wave and say that that makes it fine that he's weak in the early. He just says, oh, he does get strong in the end game. Now, he seemingly at this point, he acknowledges that end game balance is not in a great spot. He actually anticipates a balance patch to put things in a quote, much better state. He kind of makes a face. He kind of is like, uh, it's almost like he acknowledges end game balance isn't that great, which to me is sort of insult to injury if the early game you have the druid sucking wind and feeling super weak and then your end game's not even balanced then what have you been doing like this is your game this is your baby you you guys are the godfathers of this genre and you should be able to nail early game and late game balance especially in light of some other things that Riker's going to say about horizontal versus vertical progression like this shouldn't be uh, that hard for, for, for Blizzard right now he says in the early game he anticipates there being meta builds but he does say there's going to be more diversity than Diablo 3 you'll, you'll see lots of more you know diversity with the different class builds on the subject of game difficulty he says this is not an easy game but it's also not super difficult it will be more challenging than Diablo 3 for fans who have played both games you will not be able to brute force some fights he says you're gonna have to learn attack patterns of the boss fights right bosses and enemies he says have more mechanics than they did in the past enemies get smarter they get more aggressive and that's just something you're gonna have to consider as you level and as you progress through the game which that's when he starts talking about progression and feeling more powerful and this is where I'm gonna take a little bit of a victory lap I continued to tell people that when I was playing the beta I felt weaker the more I played the stronger I got the more advanced I got and when I play with my wife she was 10 levels below the enemies and was killing them faster this is how they're you know building the game with scaling and I'm gonna try my best to give you a very quick summary of how it works and why they did it and why I think this is a fundamental mistake for the base game especially when you're just leveling you're not in the end game yet okay he basically says that the only character I was looking forward to is probably going to be like the worst character he doesn't say that but if you think about it like druid's weak in the early game then he starts saying these things about progression and I'm like I guess I'm just not going to play the druid right early game 
progression sounds right in line with what I experienced in the beta. So the zones in the game scale up with you in Diablo 4. And the point of this is you never want to be like a level 50 and you go back to some area and it's irrelevant. Everything's dying the minute you get close to it, right? This sounds good in principle. You're keeping the entire game relevant. This is something I was a huge proponent of after all my years in Destiny. The end game would tend to cannibalize the rest of the game. Your public spaces, your basic missions and things like that just suddenly don't matter and you play like a super small slice of the game. So I'm a huge proponent of this. However, Riker said this can hurt a sense of progression if you remember I wasn't the only one saying this I feel weaker the stronger I'm getting now Riker says unless you're really specking and gearing in the right way as you level you will feel weaker and he says that this is a trade-off to keep the whole game relevant and I have to say this is incredibly short-sighted by Blizzard this is a mistake that's easily rectified why not just make the world scale with you once you're in the end game? Maybe after level 50 when you're maybe actually min-maxing and getting better gear. That's when you have all your skills and you're working on your Paragon board. Or once you bump up to a certain world tier, you're obviously grinding for best-in-slot gear and better drops. Then you can make every zone scale to you. I don't need every zone scaling to me when I'm in world tier 1. And just trying to have a good time. And I'm just leveling. Like, when I'm level 32, I don't want to be going and specking and looking for particular gear to make sure that I don't feel weak. I want to just level up, feel that little ding and that little satisfaction, and keep cruising. Nobody is min-maxing and checking their gear in the early game or while they're progressing. That's, that's not a thing. That feels very imbalanced. It feels like another decision that they made for the end of the game. This is a theme you're going to notice throughout this review roundup. They focused a whole lot on everything at the end. Progression, as I feared, will still feel like you're getting weaker the more you play. Now, if you combine this with the slower combat and a class like the Druid... Folks are going to feel like something is wrong, or they're just going to get bored and frustrated and quit. Anybody who picks the Druid is probably not going to get very far before they feel like something's not right, especially if they're playing with somebody who's on like a Sorcerer or a Necro. Now, Riker believes that the trade-off was worth it, because all of the variety of the content in the endgame. There's that theme again, right? Everything's being sort of sacrificed for the endgame. So much early game, so much base game has been adjusted, it's been built, it's been sacrificed for the end game. The game was built for Diablo career players and reviews like Rikers really drive that point home if you listen closely. He also pointed out that gear visuals don't really progress as you level. Gears based on the region and has its own style for that said region. And it sounds really cool, but he says you can't really feel like that sense of progression as they didn't combine the region gear with appearance progression he says that affects your sense of progressing and leveling up and then he moves on to something that many people haven't considered okay and this is something you've really got to catch catch hold of he says you unlock your main your main damage dealer at level five quote that's the power you'll likely keep using as your main damage dealer all the way to level 100. Now, he says that that main damage dealer gets stronger with leveling and with gear, but he said a level 5 Barbarian and a level 100 Barbarian are both going to be using Whirlwind as their main damage attack. 
It's more of a horizontal system as opposed to the vertical system in Diablo 2 where you would get newer and stronger skills to replace your earlier and weaker ones. He says as you level, you add more utility skills and you become a more well-rounded character in Diablo 4. He says this solves some of the problems with vertical progression, the vertical system in Diablo 2, but it hurts the sense of progression due to using the same main attack for 95 levels. He did say that the numerous vectors of progression kept him playing and he did prefer that there's all these different things that you're leveling alongside of your character but he said some of the magic and some of the feel of progression has been lost he feels that loot and itemization is the most important and this is where i disagree he says that's the most important aspect of the game is the loot and the itemization i actually think the content loop and the gameplay loop is king it always will be king it is god all right loot and itemization simply serve the gameplay loop and the content loop along with combat and combat fluidity and flow and bosses and world and dungeon design all of these things are subservient to the content loop and loot and itemization is just one more thing that i believe falls in that pecking order but i digress he says drops are good the loot chase is good he feels like the right things drop at the right time it's not overwhelming it's the legendary drops aren't crazy like they were originally when they had them cranked up in the beta he thinks that the aspects brought over from diablo 3 are good you're not you know you don't have all these crazy damage numbers but they didn't bring enough from Diablo 2. The legendary affixes, he says, are not that exciting on the legendary items. He says they're just very small damage increases. It doesn't really change your gameplay experience. He says it's not really perceptible. It's just like a slight number bump. As he talked about it, it just continued to make me feel like the MMO in Disguise video that I did a while ago. This game has a confused identity. It's an ARPG. And as far as I can tell, they've nailed the moment-to-moment action, but then they jam a stick in the spokes of the wheel of the bike with the progression feeling like you're getting weaker and horizontal leveling that's more focused on slight number increases rather than noticeable bombast and combat changes, all while using the same main damage attack from level 5 all the way to level 100. While arguing that this is not an MMO, it's an ARPG, it seems they took some of the A out of the ARPG. Riker comes to a conclusion that I feel is very telling. It reinforces what I've been saying. Listen to what he has to say. Quote, The focus was on delivering a fantastic destination, a variety of final builds that allow for a multitude of playstyle and character customization, but the journey to that destination isn't as exciting as I have hoped. As I said, They focused on the end of the game, the career players and their preferences and their play habits. And this is where I need to turn my attention to Force Gaming and how he convinced me where I'm likely to focus my attention. And it sounds fun, but it's not what I expected from Diablo 4. After taking issue with the size of PvP zones, he said they were a little bit too small, he summarized the endgame loop. You'll have world bosses and world events, do those when they pop up, do the Helltides when they pop up. They actually sound great for targeting loot and targeting aspects. The Nightmare Dungeons, you use those to level up glyphs for your Paragon board. Then you have the Tree of Whispers for leveling up your character and getting experience and maybe do some PvP for the fun of it. Now, when I originally defended this game, I looked at the end game and I said, listen, I feel like a lot of hate to the end game's not warranted. I highlighted that there's so many different activities that rather than just, you know, let's just find this one dungeon and do it 200 times, you would be cycling through a variety of activities 
activities, and I think that's good end game design. But with no pinnacle activities to take my amazing character into, and seasons requiring a new character, it just highlights the dissonance and the divide in this game. It feels like there's a tension between the game and the seasons, and it continues to kind of pull apart. Main game grinding sounds great, and Force admitted when the beta shut down he wanted to jump back in. So despite his gripes and criticisms, if a game does that, he says that's a telltale sign of him enjoying a game. He wanted to continue playing. He sees himself pretty focused for about four weeks grinding and playing, and he thinks that should line up well with the first season. And Riker had a section of his video where he really stressed just how many hours you could get out of this game for $70. So was I wrong? I don't think so. Both of these gentlemen were fair and they were honest in their reviews and they both highlighted from different vantage points things that I find very concerning about Diablo 4. Even Force acknowledged that the seasonal format and the ongoing support of the game, that's where the long-term success of Diablo 4 will be tested. Neither of these videos or endorsements are as glowing and as strong as the 9 out of 10 and the 10 out of 10 scores that we're seeing. Once again, review scores are stealing the headlines, but the devil, as they say, is in the details. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions. I hope people picked up on the pun there. The devil's in the details. I almost added to the monologue, El Diablo's in the details, but I thought that would be a little bit too corny. Let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions here, okay? As expected, the the, the core of Diablo 4 and the campaign, it's receiving almost universal praise. From where I sit, most customers have enough info to confidently buy or skip the game at launch. Even though I anticipate having my own gripes and issues, like having to skip the druid until they do something to make him not a pile of garbage in the beginning of the game, I know I'm going to enjoy sinking lots of hours into the base game. Couch go-op games like this are severely lacking as of late. Number two, so much of what the reviews outlined I think dug into, they continue to really, I think, chip away at the veneer and the paint on the surface of this game. Certain things just don't bode well for the long-term viability of Diablo 4. The split identity, the top-heavy focus on the endgame, it all feels confused and disjointed. The endgame loop sounds diverse and it sounds fun, but there's no pinnacle activities, there's no destination to take your very strong character. And sure, that's how Diablo's always been, but as Force said, there was no risk, no evolution, they played it safe. So the claims that this is Diablo 3.5 might actually have some merit. Conclusion. Diablo 4 will likely be one of the most successful games of the year, and it will likely be the most successful Diablo game in history. They learned from Diablo 3. They're set to satisfy, at very least, their core audience. The reviews surprised me for a few reasons. Big fans of this game are being honest about its shortcomings. And while I liked having some vindication about scaling, hurting progression, and early game not feeling that great, that doesn't excite me as much to dive in. I was also surprised by the end game loop sounding more appealing than the seasonal grind. Time will tell, as far as I can say, but for now, we will all have to wait to dive in and decide for ourselves if Diablo 4 is worth it or if it's not. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. That's a long one. That's a long one. That's a 30-minute show open. There was a lot to come over. There was a lot to discuss. There's so much meat in this game. There's so much to discuss and talk about. Show some appreciation for that show open. I already have a $5 super chat. I don't know if I'll be able to see it. Let's get some gifted members. I can't see the $5 super chat. 
Thank you guys so much. Get the members going. Get the coffee orders going. We have this set up now to where if you use the store link below or the coffee command in chat, it should pop up on stream and give us a little chingering, a little alert. And then every 25 members, I give five. We will be jumping into this. We will be playing it quite a bit. I will be trying to break it down as, excuse me, as best I can. Tree with 21 months and a VIP. First time Diablo player. I'm really looking forward to it. Question I have is, can seasonal loot be used on your main character? Great show as always. I believe once your seasonal character gets converted into the eternal realm, you'll be able, you'll be able to hand that to people. Yes. So for those of you that missed the show open, I heavily leaned on Riker, okay? I heavily leaned on Riker, and the reason I leaned on Riker is he's a huge fan, and I felt like he was very fair and very honest, and there was absolutely nothing in his review that made me say, oh, I've been wrong about this game all along. It was like, no, this sounds like everything I was worried about. Yep, mm mm-hmm. Yo, DK Beggar, gonna kick things off with five gifted members. Thank you so much. That kicks the day off right. Who else wants to match DK Beggar's gifted membership goal helping? If you just got a gifted member, you can pay it forward. You can gift one, pay that forward to another person. Was I wrong? 30 minutes later. Nope. That's right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It it feels kind of... Yo, Gilbert says, let's do it. He says, let's do it. Let's do a five gifted member train. Another five coming in, and it goes to Dustin Cardenasada, Sebastian, Steel Steel City King, and Aqua. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you everybody who also got the first five gifteds that went out. What's going on, chat? What's good, Jassification? Riker was a lot less enthusiastic as I was expecting. I'm telling you, the best review to watch is Riker's because he touches on so many of the things that I was trying to tell people. I'm like, their decision about scaling, I get it, but why do I... Who wants to feel weaker as you're playing? FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. Donnie, you're not going to get a lot of FOMO here, brother. I'm excited to jump into the base game, but I'm telling you, right now, there is just... I, there's just not much to, I'm not as excited as I wanted to be I'm really not a 10 spot from James Tiberius Kirk will only really have a Diablo 4 was a success in 10 years it'll need that long to evolve still no compelling reason to play seasons great opener Lono thank you James Tiberius Kirk you were based on the reviews if you're not able to self critique I'm not sure what you mean Goreforce Extra Life is the best review I've seen. Listen, I can only watch so many reviews. I'm, you know, I'm a family man. I'm pretty busy in the evenings. So when I shut down in the afternoons with the members, I, I, I can't go watch a ton of videos. I watched Force. I watched, uh, I watched uh, Riker. I read, I read Eurogamer's explanation for, for why they weren't doing a review. I watched IGNs. I read IGNs. I was like, okay, base game is enjoyable. Moment to moment feels good. But then again, the devil's in the details. The devil is in the details. If you listen to what Riker is saying, this is uh, there. The, the, the dissonance in the game continues to rise to the surface. John L. Brokey gifts one to Captain Spaulding. It's just that easy, folks. You can gift one member at a time. You don't got to do the big banger drops. Every 25, I give five. You guys are at around 3,200 members. We can hit 3,500 before the end of the month, and I'll do another goofy stream for members. Maybe another Just Dance. Maybe maybe I'll do uh, another uh, Beat Saber stream, you know, with drinks. That's always fun. I got something on my... No, I don't. got a smudge. Sweet shirt. Thank you. 
Vexter Life was a great review. I Listen, Riker made it very clear to me that this game doesn't know if it wants to be an MMO or an action RPG. It isn't, it just, it has no idea what it wants to be. He talks about how, well, it's more horizontal progression than vertical progression. Oh, man. I bumped to the nose piece. There we go. It's more horizontal than vertical progression. He talks about how as you level, progression is hurt by the fact that everything is scaling to you. Now, that's a good decision because it keeps the entire game relevant, but what it translates into is you end up feeling weaker as you level. Yeah, I thought Force Gaming's review was quite good as well. I did like That, to me, is very, very telling that that's ground level. That's a foundational split of, well, if it's supposed to be an action RPG, why, why wouldn't you have the action be the primary focus when you're in the main game? Who, who wants to min-max when you're like a level 32? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. What, what, so, I, so everything's scaling with me. Everything's resisting. So while I'm leveling, I'm supposed to be actively min-maxing? Explain horizontal versus vertical progression. Okay, so basically what he said is your main damage dealer that you get at level 5, okay? You get you get this main damage dealer at level 5. So for Barbarian it's Whirlwind. He says from level 5 to 100, that's your main damage dealer. You're using it you're using that primarily to do your main damage. And he says it gets stronger, it gets better as you level, but that's it. That's your main damage dealer. Now, in Diablo 2, vertical progression. He, he basically said that vertical progression had its own pitfalls because as you would level, you would get stronger and better abilities to replace your earlier weaker ones, okay? So you would get a very clear sense of progression and bombast and things look different. They feel different as you're leveling. And Riker's like, that that doesn't that doesn't you don't you don't feel that in this game. He said, a level five barbarian, a level one hundred barbarian, you're using whirlwind as your primary damage dealer. A five dollar tip from James Tiberius Kirk. IGN could have been reviewing anything from Barbie's Dreamhouse to My Little Pony Adventures. There'd be no difference. I want to be fair to IGN. Their written review was quite good. It was very lengthy, and they were actually a little bit critical of the campaign and the campaign experience. It was not all roses. I was actually sort of surprised how thoughtful they were in their in their review and critique of, of the campaign. It's not always they don't always throw confetti in the air and say everything's amazing. I know they have that track record, but I actually found their I found their Diablo review to be to be fine. Okay. So vertical progression gives you not only a sense of power because you are more powerful, they basically say, listen, oh, y- you can see it. You can feel feel it right the other thing he talked about with horizontal progression he said you're primarily increasing small numbers he talked about the legendary affixes he's like they're not they're not that exciting they're not like you you move damage numbers by a small percentage and and that's just not the same as suddenly getting some ability that lights everything on fire or you know some crazy effect that happens in the game it sounds really bad. Horizontal progression is fine when you're late in endgame, but not early game. It's the whole game, Eugene. 
the whole game is horizontal. As I said, if you listen to what Riker said, he confirms everything I was worried about. It's like, you made this game for career Diablo players. He says, like, listen to the quote when he says, they focused on building a destination for you to arrive at. The journey getting there is not that exciting. It's it, it again. It's like it's it's like they built everything for career Diablo players. Like it that that was the focus. I'm trying to find the quote. Hang on, I th- I don't think I put it in red. The focus was on delivering a fantastic destination, a variety of final builds that allow for a multitude of playstyle and character customization. But the journey to that destination isn't as exciting as I would have hoped. That's Riker saying that. That's 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 the man himself. That's big big time Diablo fan. He's like, it, it's about the end game. It's about the destination. You 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 make the entire game scale to the player. That's about end game relevancy. They didn't need to do that, by the way. World Tier One doesn't need to do that. What? Why don't you turn on region scaling or area scaling? I don't know. Once you're like fifty. Once you're world tier two, it seems like you would like it to fail. It seems like you project intent onto somebody because you don't like what they're saying. What about a good story? The story is getting praise. IGN didn't like the story. Everybody else says that the story's good. I expect the Blizzard story to be amazing. I expect it to get high praise. I expect to enjoy the campaign. Uh, Force Gaming said he played he played rather straightforward beeline and he said it took him 11 hours and he was level 43 at the end even if seasons are bad you still get your money's worth you see and that's the real trick isn't it that's the real trick because even Riker goes on a slight little I don't want to call it a tangent he gives a little mini monologue about how much value you get out of this game for the $70. And I couldn't disagree with anything that he said. It's like, well, yeah, for $70, you've got five classes, you've got a lengthy grind for each class. Force Gaming described the endgame content loop, and I was like, that actually sounds pretty good. Cycling through hell tides, nightmare dungeons, world bosses, you're doing different things in each grind, you've got intention in the hell tides, you're, you know, leveling up a glyph in the nightmare dungeons. That endgame loop sounds great. So when, when Riker says it's like, well, I can't really disagree with that. But that's the real tension, isn't it? This isn't this isn't just Diablo 4, come play a campaign and walk away. It's Diablo 4 for the next 10 years. Lono seems to want the game to fail. So, I dedicate lengthy coverage over months watch dev updates change one of my smaller channels to the reforged dungeon and i want the game to fail you've got me nailed you've totally pegged my intentions you've you've done you've done it you've sleuthed out the long con this entire time I, back when I was playing Diablo 2 and I fell in love with the druid, you know what I said to myself? I said, 
in the future, I'm going to become a YouTuber and wish ill and failure on Diablo 4. I'm going to cover it for months. I'm going to watch every dev update. I'm going to read blogs. I'm going to research. I'm going to try to give influence and information to the audience and say, here's everything you can do in the game. I'm going to have a smaller channel. I'm going to gut it. I'm going to delete content. I'm going to change it to the Reforged Dungeon. I'm going to set it up just in case this is a game I can dive into and carve up as a live service game. But you're right! I hope it fails. Now that we're done dealing with stupid sideline nonsense, can we have a conversation? Could we have a conversation about the game? Those of you that want to project that, just shut up. Step aside and let the adults talk. Okay? Sit sit down and let the adults have a conversation. Everything I have been talking about, and don't say ignore the trolls, when long-standing people with badges say that kind of stuff, you're going to get clocked, okay? <laughs> I covered a live service game exclusively for five years, okay? I've earned some stripes with respect to commentary, predictions, criticism, and analysis about live service games and what makes them work and what makes them tick, okay? And as far as I can tell, this one's got the best shot compared to Diablo 3 because the base game sounds great, okay? They, the, the base game sounds like it can be really, really built upon. The guy screaming like a child saying, let the adults talk. Take your purple badge and disappear. Thank you for five gifted members, Stargator, so we can replace the moron that I just had to bounce. 16 members on the day, just like that. You've been replaced. English O with 21 months. It's a VIP. Where's the trash parrot emote when you need one? I think we've got Lono Trash. You can use it. The ongoing nature to this game has a better shot than Diablo 3 did. Diablo 3's based game was a disaster. They basically had to save that game from the fire. So at one level, everything I heard, it's like, okay, base game, relevancy, loop, systems, scaling. Okay, great, 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 great. You've built a good foundation but there's cracks in the foundation. This can't be right. I'm agreeing with you for two days in a row. Reforce has a lot of insight and is just sharing his experience. If you played enough live service games over the years, you pretty much know how some features play out and the good and the bad parts of it. Right. If you th- like, just think about it for a second. It, it, we have been continuing to debate this. I had a whole stream about the fact that the split identity of the game is it an ARPG or is it an MMO I said it kind of feels like an MMO in disguise because I just started looking at some of the verbiage that they were using Savage Sharkbite thanks for coming back in 21 months getting spicy today I appreciate it um 
I was just combing over what they were saying. And I was like, it sounds like it's an MMO in disguise. It sounds like this game that they want me to play in a very, very committed way. The systems, the depth, the building. I'm looking at Paragon. I'm looking at the different the different way they're setting up the affixes. It sounded very much more MMO. It didn't sound like the arcade-ish action style of of Diablo 3. It just didn't feel like that, right? What was wrong with 3? So Diablo 3 at the beginning just didn't have anything really built for ongoing and they had the auction house. The auction house basically almost single-handedly destroyed the game. They come out with loot 2.0, they come out with their their expansion, they get rid of the auction house. They basically had to completely change course with the game. It wasn't built to last because the auction house was a direct threat to everything that makes a game like Diablo fun. Well, why why need why do you need to go grind content? Why do you need to go play the game if you can just you know, go buy buy what you need from the auction house. It also led to massive account hacking and bots and all kinds of problems. The game was basically self-cannibalizing, all right? As far as I can tell, Diablo 4 is built significantly better as a foundational game experience. It, it, it is. But the more I peeled back on the systems and the more I read about it, the more I'm like, this feels like an MMO in disguise. And I continue to say... That dissonance, the base game feeling kind of like an MMO in disguise, and the seasonal grind being so disconnected, to me, I feel like the game's going to fracture because you're going to pour all this time into the base game, into the main game. And anybody familiar with seasons, they don't care. They're like, that's fine. I can hop from the eternal realm grind to the seasonal grind. I love that. Here's the thing people don't realize. The reason that a lot of you are mentally okay with that is because you did it incidentally in Diablo 3. Incidentally in Diablo 3, you played the game for a year and did probably what most of us do. You just max out the characters, increase the world tier, get the better drops. You're doing the Diablo dance, right? the spiral staircase of Diablo. You're just going up. You're gearing up to go up, right? And then they launch Seasons. And Seasons is like fresh water on a hot day. It's, oh my gosh, I can do the, feel that early game grind at 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 an accelerated rate. I'm getting loot. There's new things to do, new enemies to fight. It's procedurally generated. This is awesome. Now, see, the reason that worked is because you had already done, like, the main game so much, you just kind of tossed the main game over your shoulder. DK Beggar with another gifted member and another 10 spot from James, Tiberius, Kirk. Who else wants to jump on this member goal, man? DK Beggar just keeps poking it. Help this brother out. A 10 spot from James, Tiberius, Kirk. Diablo 4 is all about the end game. Campaign is the glorified tutorial. Just give me a tier 100 boss, a final dungeon. All I need now is where they are. Yeah, I've not quite talked about the lack of pinnacle activities in Diablo 4 yet, but that's another thing that I feel like is a dissonance in the game. Track with me here. Just tr- I'm doing my absolute best to talk about like 18 different things and make it make sense because I feel like the, the, the topic is so big, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to whittle it down, right? It's really, really hard to, to whittle it down and make it palatable, but I'm doing my best. 
the base game and a lot of the systems feel more like an MMO. It's far more horizontal. It's far more less action and less bombast in its leveling, in its progression. Everything in the game scales with you. Um, you know, you're using the same attack virtually the entire game. Da- game. Your, your damage dealer is the same every time. You know, your affixes are small damage bumps, okay? However, however, that's all fine. But the problem with that is, is none of that lends itself to an action-oriented game. It feels more like an MMO. If you're going to do an MMO then my assumption would be you'd have pinnacle activities. If I'm going to do all this min-maxing, if I'm going to do all this horizontal leveling, if the whole game's scaling with me, then wouldn't I have pinnacle things to go into with all my best-in-slot gear, all my grinding, all my efforts? No. That's not what you do in this game. It feels more like an MMO, and yet the end game loop is Helltide's Nightmare Dungeons, World Bosses, and the Tree of Whispers, then PvP if you want to do it. It, did, it didn't sound like PvP was going to appeal to, you know, everybody. It's going to appeal to a subset of people. That's fine. You know, Force said it's too small, but we'll have to see how many people it puts in the instance, because he said there really wasn't anybody to fight, so he didn't really get to truly test PvP. He just said he was concerned that the areas were a little bit too small. Maybe they're just not getting a whole lot of um, priority. Maybe they're not giving a whole lot of priority to PvP. They want to see what the response is. Maybe they'll expand it with time, okay? I'm not I'm not that concerned. But that's it. That's the loop. You just run that over and over and over again. Raising the world tier, raising the world tier. No pinnacle activities. I think it's totally fine in an action RPG to not have pinnacle activities. You don't need raids. You don't need some crazy thing that you're gearing up for. That's totally fine. That's more of a destination in an MMO. That's more of a destination in an MMO. You gear up, you gear up, you gear up, and then you do some crazy raid, right? You spend all this time crafting your character, getting them min-maxed, squeezing as many percentage points as you can out of everything you can, and then you go and you run a, a raid, right? Raptor with five gifted members taking us to 22 out of 25. Thank you so much. Nightmare Dungeons is a pinnacle activity where you can push difficulty beyond max level. Right, but Nightmare Dungeons are still the same thing with respect to loot incentive. Just because you can push the activity difficulty up doesn't mean it's a pinnacle activity. A pinnacle activity typically has a pinnacle reward. And Nightmare Dungeons you're getting either a stronger nightmare sigil to up the difficulty to go to another one, or you're getting something for like your glyph for your paragon board. So from where I sit, it's like, okay, sure, you could take nightmare nightmare dungeons all the way to the tippity top, but there's no pinnacle reward, right? Haters gonna hate, the game's 9 out of 10. I, I will I just don't understand some of y'all's attitude. Like, why not just come in and have a discussion? Being dismissive and being like, well, it got a nine out of ten, so why what are you talking about? Ha, did did you watch Force Gaming's review? Did you watch Riker's review? The devil's in the details. You're buying into headlines. Like, oh nines and tens, tens out of tens, great game. Okay, let's break down what everybody's saying. Let, let's 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 break down what, what everybody's talking about. 
Riker willingly admits that progression doesn't feel very good. Class balance isn't there. Endgame balance isn't there. Just because it gets a 9 out of 10 from all these review outlets and you see that in a tweet doesn't mean there aren't potential problems here. Like, the quick dismiss of no, I played the game. Sure you did. Yeah, you got early access and you were able to get your hands on a review copy and you're in my chat talking instead of you know, making a video and and getting clicks and getting relevancy. Sure. Sure. Force had negative things to say. Riker had negative things to say. I'll tell you what this feels like. (laughs) This feels like Halo Infinite all over again. We're getting all these nines and tens, and then I go read the details of the reviews, and I'm like, there's an awful lot of criticism here. There's an awful lot of, like, disappointment here. IGN gives it a 9, and then you read it, and they didn't even like the campaign. They thought the campaign structure was bad. They, they, I, I expected 9s and 10s to be in relation to the campaign, and they weren't even that praising of the campaign. And then I watched Rikers, and I'm like, man, Rikers spending an awful lot of time talking about how progression doesn't feel good, itemization doesn't progress, it's, it's, it's horizontal instead of vertical, and that, that hinders progression as well. It's an ARPG, and as far as I can tell from Riker, progression doesn't feel very good. Like, what? I'm not saying it's a flop. What I'm saying is, the devil's in the details. People don't understand the difference between hate or negativity and constructive criticism of a good game. Yeah, I'm not I'm not hate farming. My thumbnail's not a hate farm. My title's not a hate farm. Listen, if you have a badge that's higher than white, meaning you've been here long enough for your membership to be renewed, probably by somebody else if you're hurling hate at me. But if you're if you've been here long enough to have a badge change colors, why would you possibly think that I wrote and spent time doing a 30-minute monologue, 36 pages of notes, and you're going to accuse me of just hate farming? He didn't say that. He says it feels different. No. No. He said that it hurt the sense of progression. He didn't just say it felt different. He didn't say neutral. That's false. I watched it twice this morning. I literally pulled direct quotes out in my opening. He did not say it's just different. He said that it hurts the feeling of progression. He, he, he not once made it seem like, oh yeah, this is totally neutral and it's up to you what you think. It's just different. He spent a lengthy amount of time talking about the world scaling with you hurts the feeling of progression. Loot not having item progression. Like it doesn't, it doesn't progress in appearance. He's like, that hurts the sense of progression. Riker said he liked having multiple vectors of progression. I mentioned that in my show open. He said if he had to choose between multiple vectors of progression and like vertical progression that we had in the past, he would choose the multiple vectors. But he said it makes progression just feel less meaningful. It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't sense it as much. It's not as impactful. Base game at launch, maybe a 9 out of 10, but we are looking at the game and how it will be over the whole lifetime and critiquing it based on the potential problems it will be facing. That's what I mean. Like, that's, that's what I'm trying to say is 
like I, I conceded this. I, I'm gonna enjoy this game on the couch with my wife. I'm gonna I'm gonna play through it. Sadly, based on everything Riker said, based on everything he said about progression and the druid, I'm gonna skip the druid. I'm not doing it. I, I'm not gonna waste my time on a character that doesn't feel good into the end game. That's stupid. You designed five characters. Why does one have to feel like that? That's dumb. That's bad development. So instead of doing Druid at launch, I'll probably do either a Necro or a Sorcerer. Eugene says, I spent so much time in other games arguing that side grades are good for people late game and end game, but it's not good for early game at all. It's the same with horizontal and vertical character progression. Yeah, like he said, your damage dealer is the same for 95 levels. Your primary damage dealer. You're a barbarian, it's whirlwind for 95 levels. Again, I'm not hating on the game. I'm saying that that just seems short-sighted. That doesn't I the more and more I look at this, the more and more it feels like everything we heard in December of last year, we're we're seeing evidence of that. We're seeing evidence of yep, it, it, they 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 lost people. Small team worked on this. They this doesn't seem like this does not seem like full court press quality. This seems like crunch. They got this thing out the door. He even acknowledged that end game balance isn't where it needs to be. He's like, when it comes to end game balance, he almost smirks. And he's like, <laughs> there'll be a patch before season one to get things in a better state. So, so early game doesn't sound great if you're a druid. And then late game sounds like there's already, there's already busted things in it. And like, listen... I'm more willing to accept late game oddities and and late game balance struggles and problems, but if the druid's going to feel like trash from moment one, you already hurt my interest significantly. IGN says the game doesn't revolutionize the ARPG genre. It is disapp- uh, it's disappointing. Is there nothing Blizzard could come up with to set the game apart from the rest of the genre? No leaderboard sounds 100% like a crisis map. Oh, I left that out of my show open, Eugene. Not only is there no leaderboards at the game's launch, clans don't do anything. Clans don't do anything. So there's clans in the game, but they don't do anything. So, I just, listen, man, I we're in a real dangerous cycle, okay? I... Didn't say he was. Didn't Riker say it was the most content-packed year one ARPG ever? He did say that. He said if you compare this to other ARPGs at launch, this has the most content at launch. You can't compare it to games that have had content added for years. That's not fair. But he says at launch it has the most content. Yes, he did say that. But I'm here to tell you, I think we're in a real dangerous. uh, We're in a real dangerous cycle, where. We, we're going from disappointment to new releases and we're just uh, shaking hands over please please be good and it's like Diablo 4 as far as I can tell is absolutely going to satisfy that you're going to feel really good about this game for the first couple of weeks I do as a live service game I see nothing but problems I see nothing but problems I see really bad decisions. I see foundational mistakes. I, it, 
this sounds like a game that's gonna that's not gonna go the distance. It's gonna, everybody's gonna be irritated in the middle of season one. So th- that's it's like I can sit on the couch and play this game with my wife and have a blast. But when season one rolls around, you know what I'm gonna be saying? Eh, there's probably something else to play. There's probably other games coming out. Like, I'm not going to feel enthused because of their design decisions and because of all the things outlined in the reviews today. They focused on a destination. They focused on the end game. This game is built for career Diablo players. Why on earth would you approve that message? These reviewers and this feedback certainly reminds me a lot of the conversation we had in 2020 run around 343 and Halo Infinite. Yeah. It sounds exactly like that. It, it sounds like we, we reviewed the base game and the base game is great. Nobody can review seasons. Nobody can review monetization. Nobody can review the shop. No get mo- nobody can review the ongoing format. And listen... I'm not faulting a single review outlet for that. That's not possible. I'm not even faulting Blizzard for that. You can't, you can't, you can't review that. It is impossible. Okay? That, that is impossible. However, this feels reminiscent to Halo Infinite as Creature is saying. It's like, well, okay. I, I guess, I guess the base game is good and, and everything after is a giant question mark. Everything after is a giant question mark. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Guild Wars 2 is probably one of the first... I, I can't see it. Hang on. Chat's moving. Activision Blizzard has a horrible track record with live service currently. Only by providing criticism will we get better, and that's what we continue to listen to feedback. Guild Wars 2 is probably one of the first implemented successfully, though. All their maps are pretty much uh, relevant. I, I'm telling you, this is, I, I'm going to say this. They've made some really good decisions about certain things because live service games always make that mistake. L- listen to some of the things that I've, I've actually defended... Diablo about this numerous times I've defended them about this numerous times they've made really really good decisions about baking into the foundation of the game continued relevancy they did it in a variety of ways when they started talking about the dungeons and how dungeons and nightmare dungeons were going to work when they did that I said that is a fantastic decision One of the things that I always criticized Destiny for was you build all this content and it's not built for scale. It's not built to be ongoing or relevant. It's literally built as a leveling mechanism and then I leave it behind. And then you make me go back to it every season. Instead of it having an ever-present relevancy so I can have a variety of content throughout the week, right? Bounties, strikes, dungeons, raid, public... Like, instead of ding, 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 cycling through all that, it's more like squeeze the old content to level and then live in two activities. Squeeze the old content to level and then live in two activities. 
that's terrible. That's super disjointed. It makes the new activity get stale a whole lot faster, and it makes the old content feel like a frustrating rite of passage, okay? Diablo 4 is not doing that, and I praise them for that. I said, this is a really smart play. It's a really smart play. You're keeping the core game relevant. You're keeping dungeons ever-present relevant. You basically took the, uh, the jet, the, um... I can't think of the word. Procedural generation, you took that from Rifts, you learned from it, you implemented it into like 100 plus dungeons. Those dungeons are all strewn throughout the the, the game, and those dungeons are always relevant all the way into the end game. I think that's fantastic. That's a really good decision. Now, they went a little bit too far when they said, oh, well, the entire game should scale with the player so it's always relevant. Well, what that's doing is, is that's harming and eroding at the sense of progression you don't really feel like you're leveling you don't really feel like you're stronger why well because you're constantly facing enemies that are scaled like consistently scaling above you to resist you so you feel like i'm a level 32 but i don't feel stronger than when i was level 20 unless i really pay attention and try to min max Riker readily admitted this he was like if you're not really paying attention and specking and gearing properly you will feel weaker as you progress. You will. That's one of the fundamental engines, one of the fundamental hooks of a game like this is a sense of progression, a sense of power. Not only that, take that commentary from him and combine that with the fact that your first damage attack that you get at level 5 that's your main damage attack for 95 levels. If you're a level 5 Barbarian, it's Whirlwind for 95 levels, all the way to level 100. In addition to that, consider what he said about, I don't have enough hands. I'm, inter- I'm interlocking all these points, okay? Progression's harmed by the ever-increasing you know, resilience and scaling of the world to keep the entire world relevant, so you always feel like you're getting weaker as you get stronger. You're using the same primary damage attack the entire time, okay? Attached to that, let's interlock another thing. It's more about horizontal progression than vertical progression. Instead of replacing abilities with newer, stronger abilities, you're primarily using the same abilities the entire time. You're just making them marginally stronger. Then he talked about legendary gear and legendary affixes and how it, a lot of it's just like small damage bumps and numbers going up there's no bombast there's no excitement there's no game changing thing from that and so it's like when you interlock all those things I'm looking at the game saying it's like you guys tried to build an MMO and then said but we don't want it to be an MMO I feel like I just described an MMO you're constantly having to track your, your abilities and your skills and your min-maxing and your leveling. Progression makes you feel weaker. Everything's about horizontal and marginal number increases. And then when you look at the Paragon board and what it adds, same thing. It's like, this, again, it feels like you tried to build an MMO and then decided, well, we don't want it to be an MMO. We want it to be an action RPG. Because the action RPG walks onto the field in July with the season, with season one. Season 1 walks onto the field and says, here you go, here's your action RPG, make a new character, level really, really fast, and, 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 and grind a battle pass. I, I, tru- I truly think that's it. That's the best summary I can come up with. That's the best summary I can come up with. They built like an MMO light base game with what sounds like a pretty good end game content loop, and then they build an ARPG seasonal grind, and the two are completely disconnected. 
Yo, another gifted membership. DK Baker, every day, super faithful, putting this thing on his back. He puts us two members away from the 25 daily goal. Every 25 members, I give five back to the community. Help us hit this goal. If we go past 25, we then go for 50, and we just keep going. Some days I've gifted upwards of 20 members because you guys go so crazy. Is this a trade-off worth having that so much of the content just doesn't fall off a cliff as you level? And Hilly, that's what Riker said. He says, I think this is worth the trade-off because of the variety in the endgame content that we get. He says, the variety of content that we get in the endgame, he's like, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Could you guys give me 300 likes? Holy moly, there's over 700 people here. We should easily have 400 likes by now. Just blow past 300. Let's set our sights on... Uh, 400. So he says it's worth it. Here's my pushback. Okay? (laughs) Here's my pushback. Your first playthrough to 50 and maybe even to level 100, if you stay at world tier 1, there is absolutely no reason to do that. You don't need resistance scaling. You don't need the game to scale with you. I'm not in the end game. I'm, I'm not grinding for best in slot gear. I don't need the game's relevancy to stay with me because I'm linearly moving through the world and leveling up and progressing. Do, do you catch what I'm saying? When I'm leveling up and progressing and linearly moving through the game, if I go back to some low-level area and it's not relevant to me, that's not a problem. That's sensible and logical. Once I arrive at the end game and I'm increasing world tier, well, now it makes sense to do that. Okay, now we want the world to maintain its relevancy with you. It needs to stay with you so that you can enjoy the game and not feel like, you know, 80% of the game, as Hilly has said, 80% of the game doesn't fall off a cliff. Like, that's, that's a simple solution. I don't need the game to maintain its relevancy when I'm like leveling up and playing the campaign. That doesn't make any sense. That's not the direction of the game. The game isn't linear. Sure, I know. You can go to any... You can play the game in any order that you want, right? You can go to any zone that you want, but zones still have levels. Zones still have levels and things that you have to be paying attention to. I'm fairly certain you can still walk into areas and be under-leveled. You can't just, like, strut anywhere you want. Force even said, it's better just to play the game in order rather than, foot like, hoof it all the way to, to, to some region just to skip things out of order. Now, he did say it's nice when your particular class needs to go to a region to get something. You can do that whenever you want. Like, the minute it opens up, you can just go to that region and take care of that. Like, there's a region I think you have to go to when you're a druid, and that's when the druid starts to get better from what everybody says, right? You get the spirit animals. But that's in a particular region, and you can do that in the order that you uh, that you want to. I'm 100% buying the game and 100% playing it, and quite likely going to enjoy the heck out of it. Hilly says, that's fair. I don't see why the first worlds here can't be different, but I do think the idea that I can go anywhere and fight, that will be a fight. Right. Riker talks about that. He's like, you're not going to go back to some area and feel like King Kong, right? You're not just going to go back and be like, I'm a level 50, and I'm you know smacking level 2s around. Everything scales with you. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Experientially, it's super strange. Because when I played with my wife... Her character was lower level than me. 
I had been playing, she hadn't. I said, well, let's just go. We were going into areas, and I was taking a long time to kill enemies, and she was just mowing them down. Why? Well, they weren't resisting her. They weren't scaling to her. I mean, they were scaling to her, but they were scaling to a lower level, and the lower levels, things tend to go a little bit quicker. The enemies have less health. They tend to die a little bit faster. Really connect the dots here. You're using the same base damage attack of Whirlwind. Imagine two barbarians going through an area together, and one's ten levels lower than the other, and they're using the same dadgum attack, and one appears to be way more efficient than the other. Why? Oh, he's lower level. What am I leveling for then? What am I leveling for? Better player? Yeah, yeah. She's just a stellar Diablo player. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what I'm saying. It's so two people can play together. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can do level scaling. You can do scaling like that so two people can play together. You can without me feeling like I got weaker. I'm I feel weaker than the lower level player? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. How you can't understand how it works? Oh no, I understand how it works. I feel like you don't understand how it works. The resistance scales as you level. So as you level, they take longer to kill. It's a math equation, homie. It depends. Maybe she had better gear for her level. (laughs) We were just playing the beta and equipping what dropped, bro. She wasn't min-maxing in her spare time. She literally picked up the controller and was just shooting stuff, bro. We we weren't combing over gear and making, like, really in-depth decisions. And it continued. She kept changing her gear out because the, the, le- the drops were crazy, right? I had great equipment. She had great equipment. It was the first beta. It was when it was legendaries were dropping every five seconds. She had better equipment than you did at your level. Yeah, everybody knows. You guys all have a readily uh, 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 a readily, readily available excuse. Same thing happened when Wheezy came and played with me. Same thing happened when Wheezy came and played with me in the second beta. He came and played. He was lower level than me, and he was killing everything instantly. He had better gear than me, too. Yeah. I was just really unlucky. You guys are right. Two different characters, two different play sessions. They just magically had better gear than me. No, you are absolutely just whipping an excuse out of thin air because you know that's how the system works. Instead of admitting that that's how it's going to work, that a weaker player is going to kill things more efficiently than a stronger player, you're coming up with some other... Yeah, it's another script, Eugene. Oh, they, they had better gear than you. Really? A level 10 had better gear than me at level 20. Got it. Cool. And a very convenient excuse that you don't know is true. You're presuming because you, you we have to excuse bad game design. We can't analyze it and say maybe this isn't maybe this isn't how this should go. 
You're not getting the point because you're hyped up. Yes, I'm struggling to grapple with resistance scaling, slowing my damage efficiency against a player who's lower level, lower resistance, therefore higher damage efficiency. It's really hard for me to track with that bell curve. You're not grappling with how it works. You're presuming that they have better gear than me. I'm not purposely hyped up. I just broke down how absolutely fundamentally wrong you are. Damage efficiency goes down as resistance goes up. So my good gear is less effective. I actually have to get better gear than she has for my current context. You're fundamentally misunderstanding how this works. And that's incredibly frustrating to have you like posture arrogant like I don't get it. You don't get it. As the resistance scales with you, your gear and damage efficiency needs to increase to keep pace else you fall behind in damage efficiency. The reason she could just equip whatever she wanted to is because the damage resistance wasn't as high. So her mid-level gear, really any gear she picks up, is going to be more effective than the stuff that I find because the stuff that I find has to be, according to Riker, you have to spec and gear very specifically to maintain your efficiency. So apparently, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and neither do I. He doesn't get it either, because he said the same thing. Your gear was probably from an earlier level. You sound like the people that think there's going to be a second surprise Sony showcase in June, is what you sound like. (laughs) Riker, review copy, big Diablo guy, literally says everything I just said. He, 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 he outlined this very carefully, that as you progress, you feel weaker. And if you don't properly spec, if you don't very intentionally spec yourself and gear yourself, you will feel weaker. So the experience I had when I played with my wife, your presumption that, oh, she just had better gear than you. No. You're ignoring the basic facts and how the game works. The audacity to claim I don't understand how it works as you quite literally display that you have zero clue what's going on. Beep boop, can't compute, selecting from predetermined response number 72. Yeah, you all did the same thing. That There's like three of you interacting with this discussion just saying the same thing. Oh, she had better gear than you. What? That she doesn't, homie. She doesn't need better gear than me, according to Riker. According to the own stir, according to Diablo's own stats on how this works, she doesn't need better gear than me. She can literally just use what she finds. She's at the lower level. Everything's just sort of quickly dying. And as you level up, resistance goes up, and you've got to meet that. If you don't meet that, you'll feel less effective. You'll feel weaker. Now track with what you're saying. I'm going to let's take what you're saying, let's consider the brilliance of it. So when I'm a level 21, I was supposed to go do what now? Farm for gear? Min-max? That's what I was supposed to do? That makes sense. Let me go do that. Oh, <laughs> while I was farming for new gear, I I leveled up again. Oh, shoot. 
oh man now now i gotta get better gear than i was than i was previously going after time to we gotta go farm for gear farm for gear in a system that scales with me and resistance goes up as i level so this you know this farming seems a little bit unnecessary because this farming is actually making me level again and if I level again then resistance is going to go up again and if I level too much then resistance is going to go up so anything I farmed for previously well I got this nice axe Well, now I'm going for some armor and while I'm going for that armor I've leveled up two or three times oh shoot now I've oh, now I've nullified my axe oh, and I've got to get a better axe because now my axe isn't strong enough for the new resistance tiers that I'm at that's not how you do leveling you're that that it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical to be like, oh, every time you level, the game scales with you and resistances go up. So if I want to stay in front of that curve, I'm supposed to grind for gear. And if I grind for gear, I'm leveling. And if I'm leveling, I'm getting gear. And, and as I'm leveling, I'm nullifying any gear I may have found a couple levels previously. Play the game, shocker. Oh my gosh. That's not play. Some of you have a dizzying display of ignorance about how games like this work. And you talk as if you know, which makes it worse. Like you speak as if you're informed and you're in the know and I'm not. Homie, games like this, as you level, you get stronger. You're beating the base game. You're beating the campaign, right? You are not in the min-max grind yet. You are not chasing best-in-slot gear. You're not even really chasing legendaries. That's an odd thing to do. Whether you're playing Borderlands 2 or Diablo 3 or any of these games, you do not grind min-max and chase loot in the leveling process that's that's cart before the horse i've i've literally been playing these games since diablo one two three all the borderlands destiny division like i eat breathe sleep these types of games you're not going to come in here and lecture me about like well you're supposed to be going and chasing gear no you're not you're breaking the foundational player expectation of what leveling is leveling linear progression through a game going through the story is categorically distinct from end game grind where you min max chase loot and go for best in slot gear they're not in the same category because they're con they're contradictory if you try to min max and gear chase and best in slot chase or legendary chase while you're leveling you doing that levels you do you see it doesn't make sense you're 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 invalidating the very thing that you're chasing. The, the the mere process of doing it invalidates it. Anecdotal, you're spouting opinion. I'm oh my gosh, I'm breaking down game systems for you. You I can't believe this. This is so weird. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. The people that argue the strongest seem to know the least. James Tiberius Kirk with a $5 super chat tip. You need to keep your starter club of uselessness and the wheat sack chest, Lono. Read some game guides, homie.
I do. I feel like I'm in the. I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. It just. It just. It, I don't understand. Stop getting baited. I'm not getting baited. There's like three or four people in chat arguing this point. I don't think they're trolling. I really don't. Gore Force is here all the time. It doesn't. Do you honestly think he's trolling? I don't think they're trolling. If YouTubers didn't show how to hit high damage numbers, a lot of people would be F because they don't know how to make an efficient build on their own to get their power uh, they should have. I mean, I don't know about that. I feel like typically these games internally have enough systems to educate you so that you you know what's going on. I don't I don't I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't I don't think thank you for a gifted member, Zinthos. Let's see if you guys can land the plane. Zinthos lands the plane. Who's gonna be the agent of chaos? Come on, blow the doors off that. Don't let that sit there like that. I don't think they're trolling. New uh new fairy and gone eighty six eighty seven. You guys got gifted members. Like, I enjoy a good discussion as much as the next person, but don't sit here and accuse me of not knowing what I'm talking about as I break down the system in detail to you, and you're like, yeah, 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 but that doesn't matter. Blizzard Defense Force in effect. What's good, Alex? Giving me a dadgum headache. Yo, (laughs) Mitch! Big Mitch in the house, you son of a Mitch! Dropping a 20 bomb, and then one from DK Baker putting us at 46. He puts us on the doorstep of 50 like a baller. Wow, that's a big one. Whew. Listen, I'm be real with you. While those members are hitting chat, you guys that are disagreeing with me, I I love a good debate. I do. I'm getting a little exasperated because I feel like you're making me run in circles. Okay. You're making me run in circles. I'm not, like, angry with you. I just feel exasperated. It's like, this is... The, the thing that really, really drives me nuts, the thing that really grinds my gears. You know what grinds my gears? You know what grinds my gears is, I said this during the beta, and you know what everybody told me? They told me I was wrong. They're like, no, 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 no you're wrong. It, that, it shouldn't feel that way. That's not how it's going to work. And then Riker walks in and is like, Hey everybody, Riker here. Diablo 4 is going to make progression feel a little bit slower. And you're like, yeah, yeah, but that's fine. You got to go get loot. What? Somebody gets their hands on the game and is like, no, that's exactly how it works. I felt so vindicated during that part of his video. I was like, I told people. I told people I felt weaker as I leveled. And I felt like that was really unappealing. I'm level 25. I'm not in the end game yet. I'm just moving and grooving in the game. I'm just moving and grooving in the game. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to go go chase loot. It's the early game. You're just supposed to be having fun. Mr. Fury with a gifted member. Thank you so much for doing that. You guys are pushing that number, man, every time. Don't let it sit on 50. Riker's voice is amazing. He actually, he actually is, he's got a good voice. Sounds like a garbage build. Well, Zone, I'll be fair because the time that it was happening, I was playing as a druid. And even today, Riker said druid early game is bad. He's weak. He feels trash. 
He didn't say feels trash. He said the druid feels weaker. It's his least favorite. It's it's he's, He basically said it's still not where it needs to be, okay? So I'll readily admit, when I was playing, my wife was a rogue, I was a druid, we know the druid was bad in the beta, but still, it shouldn't have been that bad. She was melting everything. Yo, New Yorkin, thank you so much for the gifted membership. Going to Jason. Thank you so much. On the doorstep of a 50 bomb. Every 25, I get 5. Keep it going. What tier are you? Tier 1? It was I was tier 1. <laughs> I never raised. I never raised it. Homie, I, that's the point I was making earlier. Okay? That's the point I was making earlier. Big juicer. I love seeing so many different names gifting members. Like, just guy, just do it. Just do it. 650 people here. I think we're losing. We lost a ton of people a little bit ago. My chat was freaking out. I'm really sorry that's happening. Like, my chat kept saying subscriber only, and then it would blip, and then it would refresh. I think people were refreshing and leaving because I think they thought something was wrong with YouTube. YouTube was fritzing out. It seems to have calmed down. Lawson lands a plane. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Agent of Chaos. There we are on the 50 out of 50. Somebody's got to push that house of cards over and say, no, 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 no. You don't get to sit there. I said this earlier. Why not? (laughs) Why not just turn that scaling thing on? Why not just turn on the, you know, the the world's going to level with you thing? I don't know. Do that in the end game. Do that in the end game, right? Yo, Predator's gonna be the agent of chaos. He bumps it to 50. Oops, not 54. He bumps it to 51. There you go. Don't let him sit on that 50, Predator. That's the way to do it. And Mitch upgrades to V. VIP. We're trying to hit 300 VIP members. Every Friday afternoon, we do an end-of-the-week VIP-only debrief. Make sure you guys are there for that. <laughs> Make sure you upgrade. If you upgrade to 300, Creature and I have to play a game together. It will be hysterical. I'll have to give you a, uh, a member count on VIP. I don't know where it is right now. I don't know if it's 271. I think it might be 273, maybe 272. I remember you saying this in multiple streams before. I played and I maxed three of the classes. I never felt like I was progressively getting weaker. Just what I felt. I mean, listen, I hate to keep going back to Riker, but if he's saying it and he's that excited and he's that big of a Diablo fan, I mean, he readily admits it. Oh, we're at 274 on VIP. We're, we're almost 25 away. If a bunch of you upgrade right now, we, we might be able to hit 300 today. Use that upgrade command or just go to the members page and you can just view perks and you can change. That's awesome. Eugene wants a Beat Saber battle. <laughs> we are at 3,300 members. Guys, get us to 3,500 members and I'll do another Beat Saber stream. People really like that. My wife made fun of me. It's just like a Just Dance stream, but with a little bit more booty shake. Like, I got into it, man. I don't care. You make fun of me all you want. I had fun. Have the reviews said anything about PvP? Force Gaming willingly admitted that P- 
PvP, there was nobody in the zone. He said it was too small. He's like, these areas just seemed really, really small. My opinion on PvP is I think the mechanics actually sound pretty promising. It sounds like it could be pretty intense and fun. It feels like maybe they just tacked it on to see what the response is. If it gets good response, I could see them expanding PvP in the future. It's one of those things where you just don't know how the community is going to respond. So rather than spend an exorbitant amount of time on an area and stuff to go do, they were like, no, let's let's see what the response is to the mechanics. Let's see what the player feedback is. $5 super chat tip from Carne Asada. First time watcher, but I got to say these fanboys going hard. You're right on the money. Keep up the good work. Hope people see beyond the word Diablo. I appreciate that $5 super chat tip. Yo, what's good train? Glad to hear you this morning. Glad to see you. Let me try to give you guys a bit of a recap. We are an hour and a half into the stream. YouTube definitely had some issues and some problems. I believe it has calmed down. Let's get 25 more likes on the video. I'll do a recap. Give me those likes. It helps the video find more people. So I walked through three sections in the video. What do we do? What do we not know? What do we know? And then was I wrong about this game? So, what do we not know? I just I, I don't think this is a worry or a concern, but I think it's worth mentioning that the shop was not in the game. Okay? It wasn't in the game. So, you know, whether or not you think that's a major concern or not, it wasn't in I'm sorry, it wasn't in the early test. They couldn't look at the cash shop and everything. They were sent like uh, you know, screenshots and some B-roll and some pricing. The most expensive item was like $28 and the cheapest item was like 13 or something. I'm not not cheapest item. These were armor sets, right? And they were given assurances that that's what everything's going to be uh, in the main game when it comes out, okay? Secondly, we have no information on how the seasons and the seasonal format is experienced. That was made note of by Force Gaming. He said, really, the the long-term success of Diablo is going to rest on that seasonal format, okay? I have my own concerns about how disjointed the main game is from that seasonal format. I feel like that disconnect is going to make the game's ongoing success and ongoing player base. I think it's going to struggle. That's my own prediction based on my experience with live service games. I don't think it's going to be appealing to anybody who's not a career Diablo player. Okay. Some outlets abstained from doing a review. SkillUp didn't publish a review. Eurogamer didn't publish a review. Uh, SkillUp didn't like the fact that he could only use 20 minutes of footage. No more. Uh, and then Eurogamer didn't like the fact that there was things that they just couldn't look at. They couldn't see the shop. Uh, they didn't feel like there was enough time to really adequately test all the systems. You know, they said on the 25th, everything was shut down and wiped. Okay. Everything was shut down and wiped. So that's everything that we don't know. Okay. Everything that we do know. Campaign is getting pretty much universal praise. IGN didn't seem to enjoy it. I'm not too worried about that. I anticipate enjoying the campaign. But when it comes to gameplay, I heard a lot of things that just continue to give me pause. Again, Riker talked about progression. You do feel like you're getting weaker. People can tell me in chat they didn't have that experience. I don't really care. I've talked to enough people, my own experience, and somebody at Riker's level who loves the game as much as he does. I think he broke down exactly why you'll feel weaker as you progress and how combat's a little bit slower and a little bit more tactical. So he says, listen, 
If you're a fan of faster-paced ARPGs, you know you might not like this one. And then progression again. He 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 wasn't just talking about progression and you feeling weaker. He talked about how there's no progression of the items themselves. They went with region-based items, so the regions have items that look like they're from that area, but they don't actually progress in appearance. It's not like you're going to get some crazy sword in the end game that looks a whole lot different from a sword you got in the early game. That also affects your sense of progression, according to Riker. He also talked about the affixes on legendaries. You know, it's not that exciting. There's more of a horizontal sense of progression in this game than vertical progression. Uh, He talked about how the base damage dealer that you get at level 5 is the one you're going to use for basically the duration of the entire game. A level 5 barbarian and a level 100 barbarian are both going to be using whirlwind. That adds to the sense of progression being more horizontal and less vertical. Everything I'm talking about really reinforces my thought that they took a lot of influence and really took the game into an MMO lane which feels a little bit juxtaposed against the seasonal format the seasonal format sounds more like an ARPG format where it's fast, you're leveling, it's quick there's you know, there's there's that bombast there's that moment to moment, you're leveling up faster like that feels more like an ARPG it feels like they took the A out of ARPG in the base game and added in a dash of MMO and this is where I think some of the dissonance in the game uh is emerging now the end game the end game i'm doing a recap here good morning everybody make sure you're smashing like make sure your gifted members do all the things that help this video uh get out there and find more people the end game force gaming's description of the end game convinced me that i'm probably going to spend more time in that than i'm going to spend in the seasons okay it just sounded enjoyable. I'll be honest. The end game sounded enjoyable. You know, doing hell tides, targeting loot in hell tides, targeting, um, targeting affixes in hell tides. Then you're going to go into nightmare dungeons. You're going to be leveling glyphs in nightmare dungeons. Like that sounded really enjoyable. The world bosses. You know, rotating through all that. He said the uh, the tree of hatred, the whispering tree, or whatever it's called. He said those bounties were actually far more enjoyable than he thought. He said you really want to make sure and grab those as soon as you can. Uh, they really add to the leveling. They really add to the experience. That end game loop sounds really appealing to me. I anticipate spending a little bit more time doing that than I originally thought. It sounds enjoyable. I, I, I anticipated being more of a seasonal, lighthearted grinder, but the seasonal grind sounds pretty intense. It sounds, you know, more hardcore than I expected. But was I wrong? I don't think so. I said yesterday when I said something feels off, I walked through all of the mixed messaging from the company. I walked through all the concerns that Blizzard employees have, have voiced from Overwatch to World of Warcraft to even Diablo staff. I said that I anticipated the base game getting good reviews and the campaign getting good reviews. I have concerns about the game's ongoing format with respect to decisions I think that they made foundational that just don't make sense, as well as the ongoing format being really unappealing to anybody who's not a career Diablo player. So that's my recap of the the show open. Uh, And keep smashing that button. You guys got us right on the doorstep of 400 likes. Keep smashing it. Um, best part of this is you can play the game how you want 80 plus hours grinding all that in the vanilla of the game and being done cool 800 doing all the seasons in the game of service stuff cool Jake I broke it down this way earlier because at one level you're right for and, and Riker touches on this for $70 he's like you're getting so much content 
nothing I've said today, none of my concerns, none of my worries, not once have I talked about how it's not worth the money or you're not going to get enough value. I've never took that argumentation. I've gone down into the minutia of systems of scaling and leveling and the seasonal format and it feels like an MMO more than an ARPG. I'm talking about horizontal leveling versus vertical leveling. I'm talking about all those different things. That's not me saying that the game isn't worth $70. For all intents and purposes, I believe you can make a very informed purchase right now. You could. If you go pre-order the game right now, I feel you are well informed as a consumer. None of that erases my concerns, criticisms, or my worries. It's just because the base game looks built in a solid way with good replayability and tons of content and worth 70 that is superfluous to the discussion of the ongoing nature of the game and the systems within it. If you can't separate those categories, I think that's why we were having such an unnecessary debate earlier. Olona just wants the game to fail. What? You're just hating on the game. No, I'm not. Is it worth me buying the $90 version for the four days of early access? That's going to depend on your life situation. Because if you have a bunch of friends jumping in that early, you kind of don't want to miss out on that. Yeah, YouTube is totally on the fritz. My email didn't go out this morning. I don't know what they're doing this week. We had about two months there with zero problems. And now all of a sudden going live and the chat, it's just also super unreliable. I hope they get this sorted out before we get into some of these bigger weeks with like bigger, um, you know, bigger events and stuff. Hopefully they can get all that ironed out. Um, uh, answer the question is it worth 90 all this complaining but what's the conclusion I don't know why you're being so pushy I, I just answered Christopher Wright is it worth 90 that's going to be dependent on your life situation if you don't need to jump in four days early, if you don't feel that pressure, if like if the boys aren't jumping in that fast, then no, then I you it's probably not worth the ninety. If everybody you know is jumping in moment one, then you're gonna want to be there. I would imagine. I don't like being behind when it comes to games like this at all. Like I said, I think you are an informed consumer right now. You can watch Riker's review, Force Gaming's review, you could watch my breakdown this morning, and you know what you're walking into. What's horizontal versus vertical leveling? So vertical leveling would look something like this. The further you get you end up putting down certain abilities that are weaker and early game and then you go up and use a stronger ability right it's vertical it's I'm leaving this behind let's say the whirlwind ability you've used your whirlwind ability and then at like level 25 you like set it down and you have a much stronger base level ability I don't know, lightning whip or something. You just use something completely different. And it's more efficient. It does more. It's built for larger mobs or stronger enemies, right? You're, you're sort of, your, 
you're kidding yourself out to deal with the new uh, damage thresholds, the new enemies, the new saturation, the new enemy health bars, whatever. You're sort of vertically rising to that what's going on. A horizontal leveling experience is no, you keep using the whirlwind, but horizontally you're you're adding things to it. It's getting beefier and stronger and its points are going up. So, you're not vertically going up and like leaving it behind. You understand? It's like it's in 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 the thing that in the thing that I think Riker was so good to touch on was it just feels less impactful. Right? Man, we got to stop edging. Roll the likes over chat. Get the 400s. Holy goodness. I don't know what's going on lately with that. I feel like it's not showing me the right stuff. I got a $100 version because the ABK games are basically $100. Uh, if I want to leave the complete feature set. The more I think about it, casuals don't have to worry about skills too much and hardcore players can focus on min-maxing. Yeah, but here's the problem with that, Gelson, is that if you... If if you're a casual player and you don't understand all these systems, then aren't your abilities and isn't isn't stuff just going to fall behind if you don't spec properly? If you don't spec properly, then that ability is just going to start to feel really really weak according to everything we've talked about. I agree scaling seems a bit odd in leveling, but with the idea of go anywhere progression so baked in, how would they make that possible without this method? Well, here's the thing, Kage. Look at what you're trading and what look at what you're sacrificing and what you're getting. Go anywhere progression. Okay, that's baked in. How could they make that possible without this method? Really simple you can turn on world tier 2 and it enables you to do go anywhere progression why because that turns on the scaling you see what i'm saying like that's just such a simple solution it's like if you want a more linear more traditional leveling where the enemies are not resisting you and scaling in response to you and you're just playing the game and leveling just keep it at world tier 1 but when you roll it over to world tier 2 Everything's going to scale with you. So now you can go anywhere you want. Everything's relevant to you. You don't you don't have to worry about like, "Oh, I went to this area and I was underleveled, overleveled, whatever." I always talked about that in Borderlands 3, like, "Let me turn on the loot scaling to me. Let me do that in my first playthrough instead of having to wait to my second playthrough. I wanted every enemy boss and loot drop to be at my level." I, I, I wanted that in Borderlands 3 from moment 1. And you can't get that until you get into your second playthrough. Making the first playthrough superfluous. You just throw it over your shoulder. Just play it as fast as you can and get it out of the way. Oh, okay, wow. Why bother then? Most inflation is made up just to give corporations an excuse to raise prices for the same product for a lesser product, especially in the gaming industry. We, we have an economics major in, in chat. <laughs> Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that most inflation is just made up and they do it just to raise prices to give you a lesser product? <laughs> now you're poor shaming me? 
No one's poor shaming you. Grow the frick up. Horizontal does not increase power. Vertical increases power. Very simple. Well, it's not quite that simple though, Galleon, because horizontal does increase power, but it increases power with the same thing you're already using. Like, you don't vertically go up and leave behind Whirlwind. You keep you keep using Whirlwind and you vertic- you horizontally make it stronger. Especially in the gaming industry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Abaddon, why don't you compare cost of living in the areas where development hubs and most companies are located to cost of living uh, 30 years ago? Then compare the size, scope, and price of these projects, right? Size, scope, uh, and size of the development companies. Then compare budgets, then compare size, scope, and amount of publishing dollars needed for some of the larger projects. Why don't you go do that and then maybe come back and start talking about how inflation's made up? Yeah, it's made up, guys. Made it up. Not more expensive to make video games. The budgets aren't bigger. The staff's not bigger. The games themselves aren't bigger. Why don't you go play Ocarina of Time and then come play Breath of the Wild? Like, compare scope and size of the games and then realize that according to inflation, Ocarina of Time was like a $100 to $110 game and Breath of the Wild is $60 and it's 10 times the size. Enormous. You're entering into a fight that you can't win this argument. It's simply impossible. It's so demonstrably obvious. I don't agree with this argument. They've ignored inflation for 40 years. The gaming industry is not being motivated by inflation. This is about what the market will bear. Which is in relation to inflation, Zubair. They've ignored inflation for a very long time. Why? Because the market won't bear it. They're like, no, 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 no. It'll it'll hurt our margins. We'll make less money. We'll make less money. We'll make less money. Now, we can do it. We can do it. The market will bear it. It's still in relation to inflation, Zubair. They just waited until they could do it. If they would have done it earlier, it would have hurt margins. So the economic impetus to wait doesn't mean that now that they're finally doing now that they're finally doing it, it doesn't mean that the original causality is not inflation. Size and scope of budgets, the, 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 the amount of people you got to hire, the, the, the size and the scope of the project itself, they take way longer and that can affect and shrink margins because the project doesn't take two to three years, it takes five to six. And then you got ongoing subsidization of the games themselves. They don't just deliver the game and let them sit. In the grand scheme of things, in digital entertainment and the things that we pay for, you know, albums are way more expensive. Movies are way more expensive. I remember when movies would debut and you could go buy them at the store, you know, 15, maybe 20 bucks. They're like 30, sometimes $40 now for a Blu-ray. It's a longer argument and a deep rabbit hole. Right, but to say that inflation is made up and that the companies doing it are just giving you a lesser product, that's what I was taking issue with. N64 games were $75. Right. And according to inflation, back then, that was like spending $100 to $110 today. Go use an inflation calculator. $75 on a Nintendo 64 game was ridiculously expensive. That would be like walking into the store today, going to buy Tears of the Kingdom, and spending $110. 
literally says $75 on Google. Right. You have to use an inflation calculator. You can't just go back. Oh, you're agreeing with me, Liquid Smoke. Yeah, $75 back then. Even if you don't even want to acknowledge inflation, games back then were 70 or 80. They were more, and they were smaller games. Yes, you got a physical item. Yes, there were production costs associated with the plastic, the distribution, the weight of an entire pallet of of, uh, cartridges being shipped all across the country and the globe. Sure. Acknowledge that. They, they They had to account for that. If they were able to deliver those games back in the day digitally, they might have been a lot cheaper because they wouldn't have had all that associated distribution cost. But to act like inflation's just made up. Oh yeah, they just made it up. And then they give you an inferior product. Listen, I, I just I truly, truly think people are lost on this subject. You're lost on this subject. Do we get bad games? Do we get half-baked games? We certainly do. We certainly do. But I want to show you something. This image was making the rounds, and somebody was trying to drive home the point that this year's just getting started. Now, I will readily admit that Jedi Survivor shouldn't be on here. It's an 85, and it still has all kinds of performance problems. But we're five months into the year, and we have 12 extremely big very good games like th- we are we are entering the golden age of gaming the all these games are fantastic tears of the kingdom resident evil 4 remake diablo is literally a week away dead space remake hogwarts woe long like a dragon ishin or how are you supposed to say that one ish i always say ishin i think it's ishin Octopath Traveler 2, didn't play it. Hi-Fi Rush, my daughter loved this game. She beat this game. We actually are getting a very, very good cadence of high-quality games. Like, we're getting great games. Like, this idea that we're in this weird place where, like, they're charging us more money and we're getting inferior products. I, I just, I don't think you can demonstrate that. You can run to Redfall, Sure. You can run to Redfall. You can find plenty of games. You can run to Redfall and what what the Lord of the Rings Gollum game. What a disaster. Golden Age, reboots, remakes, sequels, I don't know. Well, let me push back on that, Paul. The idea that reboots, remakes, and sequels automatically lowers quality is a lie. It's a lie based on a presumption that I don't hold to. The presumption is newer is better. I don't agree with that. Newer IPs are not always better. Sometimes sequels are mind-blowing. Like, think about it. Breath of the Wild was a continuation of the Zelda franchise. Right? Like, we're just gonna we're just gonna call Resident Evil 4. It's just a remake. Is it really just a remake though? It's like a brand new game. I don't I don't think you can just hand wave like, oh, it's a bunch of reboots and remakes and sequels. It's that's built on a presumption that I don't agree with that newer is automatically better. Well, if all those were new IPs, they'd be better. I don't agree with that. Yo, 10 gifted members from Skiffy Skiffles. He's like, what are y'all doing? Push the number, push the button. Thank you so much, guys. Smash the like button. We're bouncing back a little bit on the viewership. I think YouTube might be calming the frick down. Like, 
I, I don't think brand's new IP automatically means, oh, it'd be so much better. Like if if every if every game on that image was a was it was it was a brand's new title, I don't think you'd automatically be saying, oh man, it'd be so much better. What are you talking about? There are so many fans of Street Fighter, Resident Evil, and Zelda, and they got amazing games. They did. Dead Space Remake, people were very happy with it. Hogwarts is a brand new IP. That game was incredible. Jedi Survivor, sure, it's a sequel, but what? why is that? A, that can't be a problem, continuing to add to a franchise that people enjoyed. I think gaming has always been amazing, TBH. I don't think any age has been better than another. I think the point I'm trying to make, Paul, and if you go back to my original verbiage, I said we are about to enter the golden age of gaming. I feel like this is the runway. We're mid-gen, right? We got we got so much more coming. On both platforms, by the way, I think Xbox... Listen, man. I think Xbox got some heat. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to hype up that showcase, but I think they got some heat. I think they're... I think they got something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to hype up the showcase, but I think we've got good things on the horizon on all platforms. We get a Nintendo Switch too late next year. We actually get a good cadence of games from Xbox. A lot of these first parties start coming out of nowhere for PlayStation. I don't know, man. I feel like we're going into a great era of gaming. I don't think we're in some era of gaming where we're overplaying and getting bad games. Some games I will agree with you. Redfall, sure, yep. Garbage, inexcusable garbage. Gollum, why did that even come to market? I couldn't tell you. But the majority of the games coming out, I don't feel they fall into that pitiful category, that 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 abysmal category. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm. I tell you what, I'm very surprised that 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 it all signs point to Fable being there. I'm actually surprised about that. I was saying I didn't think Fable would be there. I was saying that I, I did not think Fable would be there. I said, I think we're, you're, you're far more likely to see a bunch of Avowed than Fable. But it turn, it's it's looking like I was wrong. I mean, I don't want to say it's going to be there. We're, we're not, the, the showcase hasn't happened yet. It seemed like there were going to be certain developers at, uh, <laughs> at PlayStation. And uh, they weren't there. So, you know, we got to be careful with our expectations. We got to be very, very careful with our expectations. People just don't remember them. We've always had garbage games. Yeah, generally speaking, I think we've always had really bad games. I, I don't I don't think that's been um you know, I don't think that's been abnormal. Okay. Mm, cool. Mmm. Ex-Bioware dev says no one there believes in Bioware magic. We knew Anthem wasn't ready. Man, why is Anthem suddenly hitting all the headlines? Yeah, the glitter video on Xbox's Twitter. Apparently, everybody's like, that's them teasing Fable. Because in Fable, forgive me, I'm not super familiar with Fable, okay? (laughs) I played Fable 3 with some friends, I think. I don't remember. I played Fable 3 briefly. I'm not a Fable guy. Okay. But the the glitter leading to a path is is apparently right out of Fable. There's a possibility we see Hellblade 2 avowed in Fable next week. 
In light of Phil Spencer's commentary about how he doesn't want to show games until they're close to being ready, I'm telling you, Xbox, Xbox might have some heat. I'm not going to hype you up. I'm saying they might. I'm saying they might. <laughs> I it, 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 Stranger things have happened. The world will be a little upside down. I also don't think PlayStation's done. I don't think they have another showcase, but I do think I do think they have um, announcements that will be spaced out between uh, during Summer Game Fest. I do. I don't think they're done. I think that they know that they needed to navigate top of mind, and if they did everything in, in May and then went quiet for two weeks, it would have been a bad choice. So I'm not hyping up either company, but I think we're in for a pretty good week once Summer Game Fest kicks off. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Gonna be, I think it's gonna be a good face-off. I think the face-off is uh, is gonna continue. I do. I certainly do. Thank you, creature. I was just getting ready to ask for that. On that subject, we uh, <laughs> I got I've got a good upload for you guys today. Is this ratchet and clank thing, man? <laughs> people are people are losing their minds about that coming to PC. And uh, I, I I take it pretty much head on. Um, ratchet and Plank PC debrief. I take it head on. I've got a good I've got a good video for you guys today. Uh, <laughs> I got a good one. I think you guys are gonna like it. It should be a very very good members only debrief. It's a good day. To be a member, it's a good day to become a member. We could probably hit 75 before it's time uh, to, to move on to the new thing. You guys have got some time. I'm going to give you a little bit of time. You got about 20 minutes. Um, you got about 20 minutes. I'm going to give you a little bit of time. And uh, you can hit you can hit 100. You can hit 75. I'm going to owe you a ton of members. I do the members in the premiere. I, I do that to give you the longest possible opportunity to gift members. And the Ratchet and Clank PC port discussion is... Um, well, it's hilarious <laughs> to, to, to put it into a word. You put it into a word. Watching like a mountain of ignoramuses try to talk about that game and tech. And, uh, oh, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's going to be fun when the actual specs come out and they're all like, oh, that's how they're doing it. <laughs> that's how. That's how. <clears throat> But I got a whole video about it. I go back, I watch the original video, I watch what they originally say. It's it's a solid video. I take a look at the take a look at the port. Um, it's good. It's a good video. Mm-mm. Which I'm setting up now to land day at noon. It's a nooner. It's not, it's not the, quite the same thing, but you guys know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It'll look and play best on PC. I mean, I would imagine it's going to look and play about the same. I would imagine it's going to look and play about the same. Uh, I think that the lighting and the ray tracing will probably be ramped up quite a bit and they'll be able to leverage DLSS. 
you want to save that for the uh, you want to save that for post premiere though. Save that for post premiere. We'll be uh, we'll be doing that shortly. You can discuss that as a member with me in the debrief. That's a great reason to become a member. It's a great reason to go watch the premiere. You might get a membership when I gift the ones that I owe. Currently, I owe 10. 10 lucky people will be able to come with us. Right now is a great time to hit join. It's also a great time to hit the like button. Uh, let me give you a, a, a bit of a brief on what we do with members. Every day, I debrief. Um... Every, every day I debrief with the members about the the day, the subject, all the nonsense going on. Um, and that content's off limits for reaction, so anybody that's out there reacting to my content, just take note. Um, we, we change the lights, we, we make it very clear we are no longer in the publicly viewed content. If the blue light's up, you're good to go, right? Like, my, I, I fully support fair use. You know, you can react to any of my publicly viewed content. But once we switch to members, I switch the light to green. I switch it to red for VIPs. So if you ever see that, you don't want to react to that. That's not, that's, uh, we will, we will do requests against that kind of stuff. However, that's a great reason to be a member. You don't miss out on that stuff. You don't miss out on the debriefs. You can hang out in the members only discord this Friday night. I'll be playing Diablo four with my wife. If you're a big Diablo fan, we do that. Uh, when a big game comes out, if it's fun for the two of us to play. We do have a Fall Guys community game night planned, so make sure you're a member and hanging out in the Discord so you don't miss out on that. Uh, that's a great reason to gift members. Let's get more people in the fold. Uh, it's a great reason to consider becoming a member. Don't just sit around waiting for a gifted member. It's $5 for the entire month. And if you listen to my content on a regular basis, you'll notice I didn't run a single ad for the last two hours. That's because of the member base, okay? That's how I do what I do. I could not do this show every day and put the work in that I do and research if I didn't have a member base. It just is impossible. James with a nine-month membership says, Great discussion as always. You're my primary source of gaming news. Appreciate all the work you do. Thank you, James. I appreciate that very, very much. My favorite part of Fable was the ability to buy items and control markets of produce and treasure in the game, and also the ability to become... Well, what do you guys think about this? We can discuss this for the next 15 minutes, right? We can uh, we, we can discuss this for the next uh, 15 minutes. Did you just threaten to sue people? Did some... What? Somebody in chat threaten to sue people? I didn't. I didn't say anything about that. The, the commentary from some fans of Diablo, they really want... A player-driven economy and trading in the game. Riker mentioned it. I've seen Asmund mentioned it. I've seen big people say the best way for a game to kind of continue on ARPG, the best way for it to do it, you gotta have trading. You gotta have an in-game market that is influenced by you know, by, by people. Give me four more members. Guys, Mitch is saying give him four more members. I think he's saying he'll do a 10 spot. He'll do a 10 spot if you guys can get that to 65. He's throwing down the gauntlet. Mitch is being the man. I personally have my own problems with in-game economies and trading. I think it's so easy for it to turn upside down. I think it's extremely easy to go the wrong way because of, like, if you look at what happened to New World, if you look at what happened to the auction house, these just feel like cautionary tales. It seems like 
as I said with New World, it's like they spent the first, I don't even know, two to three, maybe four months having to babysit the community, right? Having to babysit people messing with stuff and farming and jacking stuff up. Yo, Zubair, he's going to nudge it with one. He takes us to 62. We need three more. Mitch is asking for three more. I think they're scared. They are. They are scared. There's Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf's going to do it. I just, I personally just don't think in-game economies driven by player trading is a good idea. Zubair jumps back in with 27 months. It's a Reforge VIP gold membership. That's the highest membership I believe you can get on this channel. Zelda games are for children, he says. Iron Chef Josh got a gifted membership and Eric uh, Chabrda. New World was garbage. I thought the base game was so enjoyable and so fun to play. But the ongoing content wasn't there, the end game wasn't there, and the end game economy got completely jacked up by bots and, and nefarious people. Like, they're just in here messing around with it and jacking things up. Yo, dad, not good coming in and bumping the line to 64. You guys are honoring Mitch's. There it is. Chris D&D Topher. Chris D&D Topher. Christopher taking us to 65 and Josh L. Brokey pushes it one beyond to 66 every single time uh the PC master race people just sad I don't yeah I don't understand what PC master race about what exactly what are, what are you being a PC what is there to be a master race about I just don't get it I, I want you guys to come to the to, to the members only debrief. I need some of you guys to become members so you can come to the debrief. Because the whole like, well, just one more reason to not own a PlayStation 5. Really? PlayStation 5 costs about as much as like a front of the way video card. <laughs> Yo! Mitch! Mitch doesn't drop a 10, he drops a 20, and he bumps it all the way to 86. 80 six and patrick bumps it to 87 mitch is like look guys let's go big or go home we can hit 100 members today 87 members on the day he says let's go so many of you can come along with us i'm probably if you guys can hit 100 i'm gonna owe you guys 20 members that'll be 120 new members today right we will get you guys into the debrief. We're going to go watch this upload about Ratchet and Clank coming to PC. It's causing all kinds of drama and weirdness. And then you can debrief with me as a member. What's going on with the PS5? So because Ratchet and Clank is coming to PC, people are like, yep, just one more reason I don't need a PS5. I'm like, yeah, but you could play Ratchet and Clank years ago if you would have bought one for the price that like one really high-end peripheral is half the price or close to the price of a PS5? Like, when these brand new GPUs come out, a a PS5 is like half of a flagship GPU? That's what I'm saying! Like, if you buy Front of the Wave, that's my point, you spend $3,000 for there to be a difference from a $400 PS5. Yeah, it just seems bizarre to me. It's like, you, is, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. (laughs) Is $2,500 worth it? Is it worth the lights twinkling a little bit more? Is it worth all that ray tracing? Like, listen, listen. I I used to build PCs for people. I always liked having the best of the best. But when I look at performance of a game, when I look at performance of a game 
in like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart on the PS5. Let's just take Spider-Man. I take Spider-Man Remastered and its performance on the PS5. And then I look at its performance on PC. I'm like, okay, okay. If all that matters to you, sure. You know, $2,500 more. It looks very pretty. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm talking like dollars to value, I don't get why somebody be like, yep, I don't need a PS5. It's so cheap comparatively. It's so cheap comparatively. You know, 500 bucks, 400 bucks, and you could have played Ratchet and Clank when it came out. And it's not like you're playing it in some diminished, horrible way. They have like six different performance modes. It looks beautiful. It looks amazing. You see where I'm coming from? I'm not saying that you shouldn't value those things. You want to spend all that money. You want to see every reflection, every thread, every fiber. You want to like, you watch the frame rate. You know, you make sure it's rock solid. You love your benchmarks. You love to overclock. You know, you love to tinker as Alex says. Okay. (laughs) So your argument is that it's sure it's way, it's way better, but it costs so much money. No, my argument is not only does it cost that much money, but then you also end up having to wait a really long time for the game. So being like, yep, another reason I don't need a PS5. The PS5 is so cheap in comparison, and then you could have the game right away. I don't get it. If you're totally fine with waiting, I respect that. I don't respect being like, yep, there's no the PS5's meaningless. PC5, people call it the PC5. I'm like, I I don't understand what you're saying. Xbox does day and date on every single one of their releases, completely negating the entire need to buy the box, and their hardware sales is probably related to that, right? Like, there's not a big demand to buy the box. Number one, they lacked first party, and if you lack first party, there's not going to be a lot of demand for your box, and you don't need the box because everything's landing day and date on PC, so if you have a reasonably strong PC, like, I got a 2080 Ti. I don't need to buy an Xbox Series X. I did because I prefer the ease of use. I like to take it on trips when I go travel, play games with my, my nephew, I like to have it in my living room, but just the whole like calling it a PC5 or being like, yep, no need for a PS5 anymore. There's so much hyperbole and exaggeration on both sides of the console PC debate every time it comes up. It turns into a stupidity arms race with each side just taking turns raising the stakes. Yeah, I'm just like, listen, if you, I have tons of respect for somebody that's going to be like, I don't mind waiting. I want the ray tracing the resolution and the frame rates to be at the highest possible level and I don't mind waiting. Okay, that's fine. That That's totally fine. But being like, yep, this game's coming to PC how many years later? I, I can't even remember. Ratchet and Clank was 2021, was it not? It was early 2021. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart release. I want to say it was, was it April 2021? June. So halfway through 2021. Two whole years. That logic just doesn't track with me. Think about the world that we live in. Technology, early adopters, front-of-the-wave people that build PCs and want to have the best of the best. But then you're like, yeah, I don't care if I have to wait two years for a game. 
It's already out. It's in the market. It's playable on a device that can hit, you know, 4K 30. It can hit, you know, 120. It can hit adaptive, you know, dynamic. It can do 40 hertz, 120. It can do all these different settings, and it looks beautiful. But I don't want to play it because I want to wait for the maximum amount of graphics. Therefore, there's no need for a PS5. Yeah, for you. But acting like the PS5 is invalidated because you're willing to wait two years is a non sequitur. It's not logically connected. It's like, sure, for you specifically, because of your very particular preferences, I spend the highest amount of money to have the highest amount of performance, and I'm totally willing to wait two years to play a game. Ratchet and Clank's not worth getting a PS5. But Kenneth, it's in a larger conversation. We have to save this for the member stream. We're cannibalizing the members debrief. This is something that you pay money for, right? I'm going to debrief on my upload. My upload goes live in five minutes and DK Beggar says, guys, we can do this. He bumps the members goal to 88. We need 12 more members for 100. I will owe you 20 new members. I will do that in the premiere. I give you the last minute, the very last minute to gift members. You made a mistake. Harry's brain, you know that thing you don't have, so... Yeah, Raging Snake, you've got to back off. I'm being sent screenshots of your comments in chat in the Discord. You can't be in here with a gold badge directly attacking people, telling people they don't have a brain. Like, come on. You, you, you got you to back off a teeny bit. Like, it's okay to have a, a lively debate, but JG from Space is, like... He's got a purple badge. He's here all the time. You can't be lashing out at members and insulting people. I've always said, if you're going to hang out here, anybody that wants to hang out here, you have to attack the arguments and not the person. You have to attack my arguments and not me. You have to attack chat's arguments and not chat. We can't have you doing that. You've got a gold badge next to your name. That means you've been here a super long time. I like the passion. But you've got to channel it into a way that's productive. It's not productive. If somebody comes in here and sees a long-standing member just swinging a sword at people's face, that, that that's not conducive to a chat engaging and talking. So, all right, you guys have three minutes. Three minutes to get twelve more members. Let me get everything set. I gotta I gotta get the link. I gotta get the link so you guys can go to this video. I think you guys are gonna like this video about Ratchet. Coming to PC. <clears throat> I limit my comments to irrelevant quips. I don't even care if people make straw man arguments or fallacious arguments. If you make a fallacious argument, just be prepared to get to get fleeced up, to get chopped up. But insulting people just we just don't abide that. It's it's not conducive to conversation. It's not conducive to community building. Right? A new person's gonna see that and be like, I don't want to hang out here. There's plenty of channels you can go to where that's all the chat is, is toxicity and insults. We, I just, I, we don't do that here. My small brain can't process his insults. It goes right over my head. Raging Snake Norma doesn't attack people. First time I've ever seen him tell someone they don't have a brain. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never seen it either. I, you know, he's in here pretty much every day. I don't know, maybe he's in, maybe he stubbed his toe. Maybe he's, maybe he's having a rough day. I'm always willing to give people, you know, hey, like, hey, 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 you know, slow down there. Slow down there, partner. Like, we're all, we're all in this together. Sorry, you're right. Hey, man, it, it, look, look, we're, everybody has those days where you're just, you know, maybe you're a little annoyed, maybe you're irritated, maybe, you know, maybe you're, you just got off of a shift or you're just starting a shift and you just want to punch something. 
and it ends up being chat. I get it. Everybody, everybody has those days. All right, all right. You guys got one minute. You one minute. Is anybody gonna buzzer beat? You're running out of time. You're running out of time. I owe you 15 members right now. Back it up, Terry. Terry, what you doing? Yeah, back it up. <laughs> so one of the most legendary videos in history. It's so good. <laughs> back it up. Back it up. <laughs> oh, <Old> Terry. <laughs> his name. Everything about it is funny. His name. The way he says his name. It's comedy. It's just comedy brilliance in a in a thimble. It's such a small clip, and it's just got everything everything that makes th- something funny. All right, I'm gonna put a link in chat, and I'm gonna redirect you guys. Do me a favor when we get over to these premieres, help them kick off really, really strong. Come on, Terry. Uh, <laughs> help them start out really really strong with lots and lots of likes that's extremely helpful all right as soon as you get over there smash the like button i'll also redirect i need a membership head over to this premiere you might get one i owe you guys 15 listen if there's a bunch of members during the premiere i'll make good on the 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 five that i might owe you we only need 12 more i'll see you guys over there